Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy. Your podcast will begin in 30 seconds. On the new Talk Story Radio Network. <laughs> what was that stupid thing? I can't remember that radio show, that state. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> Blog talk, that's what it was. <laughs> Hello, welcome to another initial of uh, another edition of Swoops World Late Night, and we got a special round table discussion tonight, July thirteenth, twenty sixteen. Uh, we have uh, Stacy Lupinacci who's been here quite a few times. Welcome back to the show, Stacy. Hello, hello. And a lot of you know her formerly of Morning Coffee. And then, of course, we have Kel Kelly from the the Skeptical Edge. How you doing, Kel? What's happening? What's shaking? What's going down, you guys? How you doing, my brother from another mother? (laughs) Stacy by the water. (laughs) By the water. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on the air with Stacy in quite a while since uh, she was doing Morning Coffee. You know, I know it's been a while. We were all on uh, Z Talk together for for a period of time, and uh, that's where we all con- uh, that's where I connected with you guys. And uh, you know, it's always been fun to kind of just every once in a while tune in to each other's shows and, and see what's happening. But we all kind of kind of faded away for a while, huh? Well, everybody kind of yeah. broke off into their own path, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know, let's just get right into it, man. I, I you know, uh, we uh, we're going to first hour here. We're going to do this, and then. Uh, uh, I might be in a little later, guys, uh, with Anthony Davis and uh, Bob Case. We'll see how that goes. But uh, we wanted to get together and just kind of chat about what's been happening uh, in, within our communities the last few weeks with the, the, the shootings and the, uh, and the ambush of the police and uh, just kind of give our take on it and, and, and let's get down to the nitty-gritty. And, and we won't solve the world problems, but uh, we might as well uh, throw, our, our, throw our few cents in. And, you know, and... You know, this is a big show, man. We might. We might, absolutely. You never know. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Stacy. I know, uh, you know, we we've talked uh, in the past a lot about a lot of things and whatnot. Uh, when these things started popping off the last few weeks, you know, initially, uh, you know, and you up there where you're at, I see the protests and things going on. You know, what what have been your thoughts in the last uh, last few days? I'm tired of it. I'm just saying, but uh, I mean, I understand. I understand there's a lot of things going on. I actually live, and I'm sure everybody's heard of it. I actually live very close to Oakland, and uh, they shut down freeways, and I'm not. 
I'm not even joking. They shut down the freeways in Oakland going in both directions. So um, it's been very high. The tension's been very high up here. Um, and I mean, it has been everywhere from what I hear, but it's been really high up here. Um, uh, you know, and I know people who were out there protesting. They had over a thousand people alone um, just out in Oakland. Uh, shutting down the freeways in both directions. You know, the police were out there. Um, it, it got, from what I hear, it got a little... Uh, I heard it was peaceful in some parts, and then in some parts it, you know, it got a little violent. But, you know, the tension's been high, and I, I just... I can see where people are coming from, but at the same time, it's like you're fighting violence with violence. So... You know, my, I kind of I, I go back and forth on it. Like, really, like I, I see where you guys are coming from, but at the same time, you're making the tension kind of high there. You know, I, I, my my point on uh, seeing where people are coming from, I think they're coming from a position where they're being misinformed, and it's causing a lot of these things. And you know, some of it's be based on what are being they're being told by politicians, by activists who have a, a point they're trying to make, and uh, and, and I think mm -hmm. it's 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 stirred up a lot of tension uh, unnecessarily based on. A false narrative. Your thoughts, Kale? Oh, I totally agree. I, I think it's very unfortunate, and I think people are actually getting tired of it. I think it started off as a positive movement. I mean, there's no problem protesting and bringing a, you know, awareness to whatever your cause may be. But when they started blocking off roads and making people late, and people weren't getting to the hospital on time, and then they started bashing people's cars, and it just became more and more violent. And I think people are to the point now that, and I hate to say this, but people are like, you deserve to be beat if this is the way you're going to act. And I know that sounds terrible. I don't have that mindset. But I just think there's a much better way of going about this when it turns completely violent. I mean, it's these these leaders of some of these uh, these groups of Black Lives Matter, they need to get out there. And, you know, I, I kind of blame our president. And I'm not just saying that because I'm biased, you know, or whatever it may be. You know, him being an African-American president, the first president. It's his job to get out there as an African-American as well and say, you know what? I agree with you. I'm behind you 100%, but you're going about this all the wrong way. And if you really want to make a change, hey, I was a community organizer. Let's work together to see how we could fix this. Or even get out there and threaten the leaders of these groups and say, look, you continue to do this. We're going to arrest you on inciting riots. So get your people under control. I mean, it's something has to be done because it's getting worse and worse and worse. And and race relations in this country have not been this bad since I mean even before the 1960s. You know, my 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 issue with with politicians, including the president, is 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 them uh, making these statements before all the facts are in. And you know, we we you know we've seen so many times, and I'm, and I, I and this is God's honest truth. You know. Uh, like one of the things that we always hear about, hands up, don't shoot. That was supposed to be attributed to, uh, uh, I forget his name. Uh, but anyway, it didn't, never happened. Never happened. Uh, was that uh, Trayvon Martin? No, no that was... Oh, uh, I was going to say Trayvon. No, I was going to say Trayvon. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Trayvon. It was... Uh, it was the other one. I, I know yeah, you'll be talking. Yeah, who beat up the guy, beat up the cop inside the cop car. Um, yeah. You know, the thing is is, 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 you know, people always say, what, what are your thoughts on the shooting? Did you see the video? I said, you know, Wait till the facts are in. You know, wait till all the facts are in. You know, the, the bottom line is uh, the police officers aren't going to aren't going to uh, 
they're going to be investigated, and it's not, and it's not going to be a, a one-sided investigation because, truth be told, the, 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 the current administration's um, attorney general and that whole department, they're not necessarily pro-law enforcement, and they're looking for, they're looking for somebody to, to take down on some of these things. But the bottom line is, is, is all, every one of these shootings that these guys have protested over the last, I don't know, couple of years, majority of them have been in policy shootings and uh you know if you you don't have all the facts and you start marching and, and breaking breaking windows and, and turning over cars and and going through all this and, and then the, the the results come out and this doesn't go your way and you do it all over again it's hard to get people on your side it's hard to get people to to to, to uh support your cause and sometimes you're, you're fighting uh the wrong battle well let's not forget you also have the media that's you know, in a lot of cases, you have the media that's, that's you know, starting this really because, I mean, okay, I'm going to throw this out there and I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but everybody's going you. on the whole Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about the four Latinos that were killed up here in San Jose. We heard nothing, nothing about these four young Latino men that were killed by the police in San Jose. Nothing. But... You know that that's coming out more and more. I see more and more of these. Um, of I don't want to call them memes, but you know people are making memes of them on uh, Facebook with these young men and their their photos are on, uh, on are being put out there. And one of the memes that I just seen, I believe today, was um, something like, "I guess Latino lives don't really matter to you um, because you're not seeing these in the media. You're not seeing the the white Men and women that are getting killed and or beat by the the white cops, the black cops, the whatever cops, because that's not what the media is putting out there. You know, all you're seeing are, you know, uh, the black men that are getting killed. Um, You're not even seeing the black women that are getting, you know, uh, I don't want to say killed because I really haven't seen any getting killed, but you see them getting, you know, drug across the ground by black female cops. You're not seeing that in the media. But, you know, you're only seeing what the media is putting out there. So that's what I believe is, you know, a big part of this whole uh this whole method out there. Well, it's a it's a, yeah, it there's there's a, there's an an end game that that uh, I like the the media wants to put out and the, and the politicians want to put out. You know, and we're always we're always given the angle that uh, the police killed somebody. Well, you know, sometimes police work is is it can be a dirty can be a dirty game. You know, and it mm-hmm. can be it can be uh, violent at times. It does not mean it wasn't justified. And and what we hear all the time is the police killed this person of this color, and, and these cops are that color, and. And uh, you know, and they must be racist. No, it's not racist. I've, I've, I've know of, I know of people that have been uh, tagged with this racist tag, who are not racist at all, who have done things to help uh, minorities in them in their community, whether it's mouth to mouth or, or, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, take, giving them money to help them along when they're in, in that dire need. And it's just such an unfair narrative uh, that gets spread out by the leaders of certain organizations and by our politicians and by our media that it's, 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 uh, like you said, Kale, it's, it's really, really, uh, putting a big divide in race, racial relations. 
Absolutely. You know what else? I mean, if you look at the statistics alone, this is this. I think people are just getting fed up when when people start posting videos on Facebook of BLM members holding hands in the street and cars are just, just mowing them down. They're they're running them down now. People are that tired of it. I mean, didn't it happen just this morning that they blocked off some bridge and they said that there was a kid that was in need to get to a child's children's hospital in an emergency and they couldn't get him to the hospital and the kid almost died. I mean, there's got to be some common sense here. I think there's so many different variables involved with this that it it's just a whole bunch of things and it needs to start not so much with the police. I think it needs to go way deeper than that. I mean, people don't realize... Uh, here, I'll read you something. An analysis released last week shows that more white people die at the hands of law enforcement than those of any other race in the last two years. Even as the Justice Department, social justice groups, and media coverage focus on black victims of police force. Well, yeah. You, so you, there you go. That's And that's, you know, those statistics bear pretty much bear, bear the same each each year. And then, uh, you know, see, people want to throw around, want to, want to play with the numbers. And, and here's what happens when you play with the numbers. Because when you tell somebody that, that that's the case, then you get, well, listen, it's, it's disproportionate, okay? Well, then if you're going to go that route, you've got to look at the, the crime and, the, and who's committing the crimes because there's a disproportionate number of people committing crimes, you know? So you, you have that. You also have, if we're going to do these numbers you, are you gonna, across the board, are you going to do it across the board? Because, you know, there's not enough white guys in the NBA. There's not enough black guys in hockey. Are we, I mean, exactly. we going to go through starts... every fucking thing? <laughs> that's, what it's, that's what it's coming down to, though. Yeah. It really is. I mean, they're bitching now. There's not enough black actors in movies. And now everybody has to be politically correct. We can't make another Ghostbusters or, <laughs> because they all have to be female. Because now somebody's going to complain. Somebody's always offended by some, just anything anymore. It's just, it's so sickening. You just want to lock your door and just live in your house and never go outside. It's just becoming pathetic. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, what you're doing is, is you're, you're really making, uh, you're, you're really taking people, good people who want to do good things and, and, and turning them against you. You know, I, uh, I, I co-host with, with uh, Xander Gibb on, on Thursdays. And uh, he's, you know, he's been called uh, racist and, and this and that so oh, for the so, last so, for so many weeks. And I mean, he's for, for all, most of his life, he's had jobs that are really designed to help the underserved. You know what I mean? And, and, and he's gone out of his way to do things for people not of his uh, of his race, uh, you know, and, and he's just getting hammered because he has a difference of opinion of these things. And we talk about this sometimes, you know, just because I have a, an opinion that's different of yours doesn't make me, you know, a racist or a sexist or whatever. It, it just, you know, we got in this situation now where we all have to agree. And even if you're an extremist, if I don't agree with you, then you have a right to flip over my car or beat me or, 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 or you know, harm me. Uh, it just re- it's unbelievable. Well, my issue is, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a Caucasian male, okay? Cracker, whatever you want to call me. I, I, I prefer wheat then because I'm better, I, I'm better than the average cracker, so I'm a wheat then. But anyway, You're a my, wheat then. My, my issue, <laughs> yeah, I'm a wheat then. My issue is I have so many Hispanic friends, black friends, my daughter, she's having a baby. Her, well, soon-to-be husband, he's a, he's a good-looking black guy. Love him to death. I mean, I don't have any problem with people in race. My friends 
that are Hispanic that that live here in Arizona, they love me because I I just say it like it is. And they're like, "Hey, dog, you're crazy. I say I love you so much. You just speak your mind." And you know, it, because it's true. People that get so wrapped up in the race. This is why I said it, it goes much deeper. And I think that people need to start looking at education. Nobody can tell me. I don't care what color you are. If I'm in a neighborhood and people are, if I got a, if I got a lowered El Camino or something drives up next to me and the windows are cracked and they're all limoed out and they're, I, I'll be honest. There's four black guys in there look like gangbangers and they're bumping music and they're staring at me. I'm going to get a little nervous. Well, is that stereo? Is that stereotyping? Maybe, but you know what? That's the facts. I, I mean, I don't care who you are. When somebody sees something shady, it just doesn't look good. And some of these neighborhoods, I'm not saying all, but it is a known fact that some of these neighborhoods, there's a high level of, you know, people that are uneducated, high level of poverty, which leads to drug dealing, which leads to kids dropping out of school, joining gangs. So a lot of these neighbors, neighborhoods are really high crime neighborhoods. And so from time to time, these cops, they show up at a convenience store. Here's a guy dressed nefariously, maybe. You know, I mean, you can't tell the difference between him and Joe Bob, the drug dealer on the next block. Well, these cops, it, you know, at some point, you, you almost can't blame them. It's like they're, they're scared all the time. They don't know which one is which and who's who, and they're going to get jumped at any second. And I, I just think there's you need to start at some of these 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 neighborhoods they they need a lot of education they need a lot of help well you know the thing is is is, is uh you know for your own safety it, it makes sense to 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 size up where you're at i was in tucson one day and i walked in into a bar and they were flying hell's angels colors now if you didn't think i was uncomfortable just a wee oh, bit of course that's what i'm saying so how is it any different for a white person that's what i'm saying no. it, it can go either way i could walk into a a place in in Oakland, Stacy by the water, and and it's full of black people, and they're all gonna stare at me, and I'm gonna be like, oh, this is all bad, just like oh, you. Oh no, no, so no, 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 no. Eat... See, I you know, got I'm the just, perfect story. This... I got the perfect story for that one because I do have that uh, the reversal story. I was that white girl who lived in the all black community, where I was the you know that white speck. Where the pol- in the neighborhood where the police only went down the street with the SWAT team. So yeah, that's what I'm you know, saying. And right now, try being in that neighborhood because you know, okay, if you are the white girl in the all black neighborhood, best believe you're getting stopped all the time. Hey, white girl, what are you doing in this neighborhood? What drugs are you buying? Um, I live right there. They don't. Oh, believe I you. can see that. And not only that, now I'm the white girl, and I'm sorry if y'all, swoop, you see me in person, I am the white girl with the black girl booty. <laughs> so now um, you do get the haters. I did get the haters because now I'm the white girl taking the, you know, supposedly I'm there to take the black men. No, sweetheart, I'm not. <laughs> so you know what, what are you doing? What are you doing as the white girl and taking over our neighborhood? I am not here to take over your damn neighborhood. I'm here to live just like you. So I, you know, I was hated on. You know, just like if you know you have black people who move into the white neighborhood, ugh, you must be here for something, and you're here to steal our stuff. 
I was accused of stealing the neighbor's uh, VCR and all that stuff. <laughs> Coming up v- yeah. Yeah. VCR. <laughs> What, yeah, yes. what, what is this? Of, what is this of you speak of? This VCR. <laughs> did you take? Did you take the Friday? Did you take the Friday VHS? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, when I when I went to my junior high school, uh, when we moved, we went to junior high school. Uh, I was told that there was there was a black guy who went to the same junior high school, but he graduated the year before I got there. So, uh, I kind of know where I feel you. I feel you, Stacy. Uh, you know, I grew up in an interracial neighborhood, and you know the thing is, is. Uh, uh, our race relations are far, were far better than what's going on here today, and uh, it's um, and, and you know when you start talking about you, you know you see five five cops get murdered, uh, and uh, people are, are, are you know a certain segment of society applauds that. Uh, talk to some of the so talk to some people that were there uh, protesting, and uh, there, you know, one woman got shot, and she said. You know, these police officers huddled my kids. They put themselves between um, yep. us and us and the shooters. And and see, people, what, what people don't understand in, in when you're in law enforcement, because I spent some, I spent quite a bit of time in that. You know, you know who you know who we are. We don't know who you are, and you assume we know who you are. We you assume Absolutely. we know we, you're a good person. We we don't. Every know car you person. walk up on, you can get <laughs> shot at any moment. Exactly, and. Well, you know, there was a video put out by, I can't remember the country singer's name, but you may have seen it on Facebook. It's been, you know, and he goes, you know, step by step. This is what you do when you get pulled over by the police. I saw that. You know, yeah, and, good. right? He is you a, put he's your a hands on, but, yeah. yeah. And this is what I do. I'm a white woman. Well, okay. Now, let, let me tell you this. If you look at me, you think I'm a white woman, right? But technically, I'm Mediterranean and Native American. I'm not even white. So... With the but Boston because of the color accent. Of the <laughs> with an accent. So technically, but if you look at me, I'm considered white. But technically, I'm Mediterranean and Native American. So, but I'm I don't know. You look like a wheat then to me. Yeah. Right. Well, what I'm what I'm wondering it's 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 what's 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 really going to happen for it. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, the you know police uh, were you know we we heard stories since Dallas of guys of people being ambushed and stuff like this. Oh yeah, uh, two more cops were ambushed since then. Yeah, and you know what? If you turn if 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 you if you, we you need law enforcement, uh, and if if they stopped, uh, they won't because that's the kind of people who go into that go into that job will continue to do their job. But you know, it's they're making it much more difficult to do their job. You know, everything every time you you, you grab somebody or have to wrestle with somebody it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's the wrong thing that's going on a lot of you know the bottom line is you know you can say what you want and i know people are going to hate on this everybody majority of the people that have been involved in these situations it got to that point because they didn't follow instructions Okay. Exactly. You know, uh, if you're if you got nothing if you got nothing going on and you think you're being stopped unnecessarily, whatever, just go along with the instructions, get it over with, go file your complaint. But you know, and take it to court. Right, Absolutely. Exactly. If you feel you've been unjustly, uh, you know, treated, well, that's that's what uh, you know everything's there for. The, the judicial system's in place for a reason. Right. And you know, look, like it, I was saying, I'm a white woman, and when I get pulled over by the cops, first thing I do is I shut down my look. I've got family members that are police officers and who are former police officers, and they've always told me, 
you better shut down your vehicle, throw your keys on top of the dashboard, put your hands on the steering wheel, and if you have to, you know, if you oh, have to. Oh, and turn on your dome light if it's nighttime. Right. You know, I, I'm, okay, if you want to call me a white woman, call me a white woman. I don't give a damn. But even <laughs> as a white woman, I still, I don't sit so there and racist. move quickly. What? Call me what you want, <laughs> sweetheart. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what I and I and I have been stopped plenty of times by white cops, black cops, men, women. I don't care. What are you doing? I've that got, you're getting stopped so many times. You know she what? got a booty like a black girl. <laughs> look, she's being she's being she's being stereotyped look, by her ass. Look, and I'll go one farther. I have been pulled out of the cop out of the car at gunpoint. Okay, so I'll she go said, one out farther. Of than that. Out of the car. I have complied with them. And if I've had to get my ID and it was like maybe in my, you know, in my bag, I've told them I'm going to reach for my bag. And, you know, I let them know because they're, hey, I know what I'm not doing, but they don't know. Hey, you know, I'm going home. I'm going home in one piece, just like they want to go home in one piece. So, and you will, if you follow directions and you do it properly, you know, that's, there's there's certain things you should always do. If it's nighttime and you get pulled over, don't don't be like me who got pulled over for a broken taillight and I was driving a stick and I pulled over, I did everything right, and I took my foot off the brake and the car started rolling. He goes, Stop the car. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I forgot to put it in gear. I said, I'm so sorry. But usually, I mean, you shut off the car, you turn on the dome light, you roll all the windows down, you keep your hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. And the cop and say, you know, I'm doing this for your safety. Explain it to him. And, and if the cops are usually really cordial about that, I think there's another variable. And this goes a little deeper that I don't think the average person thinks about. And it's something I've, I've thought about for a long time. You always hear about this thing called roid rage, right? Yeah. People that do too many roids and they, 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 they're overly aggressive and, have you seen the size of some of these cops? <laughs> I, I'm just saying. There's a lot of powerlifting cops out there. And, you know, hey, we, we, test, we test Olympians. We test swimmers. We test. Why aren't we testing cops for steroid use? Some departments do. Well, I hope they all, they all should. And you know what? I think another big factor is I agree that all these cops need to have body cameras. As much as they don't want them. It's just it's going to have to go with the job because it's just becoming a he said, she said thing. And well, one... now, they, now if you notice, a lot of the news says that they've had them, but they've miraculously they've fallen off or they've gotten turned off. No, well, you know, gotta, I'm not saying... no what happened? I, I can tell you, like the, the one where the, the guy was on the ground, they they fell off during the during the during the fight. During the struggle. You know, yeah, so there's the got to be a different they, way. They just, they just clip on. They just clip on like a tie clip type of thing. Well, you there's got to be a different kind of mounting yeah. device that clips on the button somehow that won't fall. I mean, that that's a technicality, but yeah. I, I do think that those make all the difference in the world. It's like the guy that got shot in the car. We all watched the video. I saw the uns- uncensored version. Uh, blood and guts doesn't bother me. I used to be a nurse, so I worked in the ER. So I saw everything. People's yeah. arms chopped off and shot. And so, and she's sitting there calmly saying, they just shot my boyfriend. And you know, that, 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 like, who, who, you know, I mean, he, he didn't live, but I'm thinking, you know, if had he, you know, I know who'd be dumped. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're sitting here videotaping me all shot up. Why don't you apply some pressure or some shit? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And she was all calm and cool about it yeah. until until they pull her out of the car. But my, my other issue is 
in Arizona, we have probably the weakest gun laws in the whole nation. Even Texas has stronger gun laws than we do. They even used to be to the point where I had I had a permit at one point so I could carry concealed. Then they just said, you know what, you no longer even need a permit. Just carry concealed. <laughs> I mean, that's Arizona. But you know what? We don't get a lot of really violent crime here. And I think that's because a lot of the people are armed. But at the same time, I don't always carry, but sometimes I do, depending on where I'm going. If I know we're going to Phoenix and we're going to do something, yeah, I'll, I'll take my gun. I don't always carry it on me. If we're going out to dinner, I might leave it in the car. I might, you know, I lock it up, uh, different things. But I have been pulled over. And the first thing I do, dome light comes on. I turn that dome light on before I even pull over. I roll down the windows. I put my arms out the driver's side window so he can see him. And I, and I probably announce, officer, I'm carrying concealed. I'm legal. I'm just letting you know that I am armed. Yeah. And he'll yeah. approach a car and he says, I really appreciate that. And I said, but at the same time, I don't want to grab for my gun. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to open up the door with my hand that's already out. And it's it's on my right hip. And you can go ahead and I'll swing around and you can pull it out. And no, not even a problem. He's like, that sounds good. It goes smooth as silk. Then he puts the gun on top of the hood and he goes, hey, you know, license registry. Everything goes fine. Had the same situation it, uh, several it's times. It's all about communication. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what start- my uh, my cousins just tell me all the time. You know, they're like, you know, never ever, because there are a few cops, and I've seen it, and I used to laugh all the time because people would actually do it. They would be like, "Give me your, you know, give me your weapon," and I actually was in the car with a ve- with a vehicle with a person, and they got pulled over. They had a, a, a license to carry concealed. The officer said to them, "Hand me your gun," and I told them, "Do not reach for that gun." Always let, always let the officer disarm you. You never reach for that gun. Well, that particular like, time what? I had it on my hip. Usually I put right. it on the center console. Or if I know I'm getting pulled over, I immediately will put it on the dash. Right. And that way, when my hands are out the window, I'll, I'll say I place my weapon on the dash so you can see it as you're walking up. You can shine the flashlight and see it. That way I don't have to say... Well, it's under my seat. Let me get it out for you. <laughs> never, never, I never, never advise reaching for it. You know, the no, bottom pop, line is, pop, pop. That's how that happens. Even if, the, even if the guy who, you know, a lot of times, especially if it's, if it's two guys in a car, you know, the one might tell you, yeah, go ahead and hand it to me. The other one doesn't hear that. And then he sees, all he sees right. is you're reaching for a gun. All he sees is you reaching yeah, for it, right? You know, it's. See, a, so it's. This is what I'm saying. It's all about education. Maybe somebody should go, you know, and I'm not saying we can fix poverty and we can, we can. We can fix ev- all the ill wills of of the hood overnight. You know what I mean? These 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 neighborhoods that are so not well to do. Right. It's it's just a known fact that they exist, and it's sad that they exist. And that's why now, but, instead but of that spending. That being said, I can't help. I do know some corrupt officers, so we no, can't yeah. forget that there are some corrupt officers. But. There's Corrupt people in every society and every race and every right. profession. Right. Right. There are, but you know, let's. So right now, with the way everything is going with this whole Black Lives Matter thing, they're focusing on like all police officers. Like, let's not forget these Dallas cops that got killed for protecting their right to protest. Exactly. So you know, these officers were out there protecting their right to do what they were doing and they were shot they are not able to go home to their families 
and they were out there doing what they were doing to protect these people's right to protest and do what they wanted to do. So, you know, they died for nothing, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, so that's what frustrates me that these people are now turning and it was, there was a video out there that um, I saw where they were like, um, now we have to go and let's kill the white cops. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, have you seen all these I black, these black officers and black sheriffs that are coming out calling black lives matter, a, a hate group? Oh yeah. You know, the thing, the thing, you know, is uh, there was a, they're calling they're calling them domestic terrorists. Some of them. Well, when you when you start targeting people. Uh, well, when you start throwing Molotov cocktails right. in, a, in a squads of police officers and bricks that's, and rocks, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's that's terrorism. That's, yes, you know what? <laughs> Technically, if your life is if you feel your life is in danger, somebody throws a Molotov cocktail at you. By law, if you look at case law, if I'm carrying concealed and somebody throws a Molotov cocktail at me, I can shoot them. Well, that's, and kill them. That is, see, this is this is what, this is what I fear. Uh, you know, uh, police have shown a lot of restraint oh, at a lot God. of these things. Uh, what you're going to have, though, is one of these days something is going to uh, going to happen. Uh, yep. Like you said, Kale, and 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 somebody's going to die at one of these protests. Not, I mean, we did. We had the five police officers just get killed. But the police are going to kill somebody on these protests because they'll be defending themselves. But everybody's right. going to sway it was a peaceful protest and this guy was unhinged or, he, oh, he, he, you know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, somebody's throwing a Molotov cocktail at you, you know, and these guys are hearing gunshots. You know, the, 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 the five officers died, but this isn't the first time that there's been shots fired at these protests either. I think there was uh, one in Ferguson. Uh, there were some shots fired in Ferguson. Uh, when there are protests in there, and you know, so it's it's we're really on edge, man. People are running around unhinged right now. Here's a here's a quick statistic. Um, here's two: Chicago death toll is more equal than that of both wars in Iraq, Afghanistan combined. Here's another fact: it would take cops forty years to kill as many black men as have died at the hands of other black men in Chicago in 2012 alone. Now, here's, a, here's, here's, a, here's something I'm going to throw at you. Who, who started the movement to ban all guns in Chicago? Barack Obama. So now you're not even allowed to own a handgun in Chicago. And look at, look at the shootings. Look at the murder rate. It's become the murder capital of the world. Sixty-something people die every weekend. There's, this there, is what happens when you disarm people. There, they, they don't understand. You take guns out of law-abiding, you take them out of the hands of law-abiding citizens, and the only people left that have them are criminals. And they don't care because they're already criminals. That's so, the point that the uh, politicians don't seem to get. Criminals are always going to be able to get guns. You can ban all the guns you want. Criminals are going to get guns. You know, well, not, a, not only that, but if you're going to ban, if you're going to take the guns out of the law-abiding citizens, now you're going to make them become criminals because, I'm sorry, you take my gun from me as a law-abiding citizen, and I'm still going to protect my family, I'm going to protect my home, so now, guess what? We have a problem. Because no, I'm not giving you, you my guns. And then nobody's going to give up their guns, and that's what's going to be a massive, massive problem, is suddenly... 
you know, even in Australia when they implemented that that gun ban, and that there's certain there's still certain uh, ways you can own a gun if you live on so much amount of land, if you live so far out of the city, you're allowed. If you live in a wilderness area to protect against animals, but you're only allowed certain types of guns: a rifle, sh- or a shotgun, etc. But when they implemented that ban, it was said that only 25 percent of of gun owners turned in their guns. And can you imagine if somebody came out and said, we're banning all assault weapons? You know how many, I mean, what did they say? Barack Obama was like the gun salesman in chief because every time he gets on TV and starts talking about gun violence, the, the shelves empty. Oh. They said he's so, done more so, for gun companies than any other president <laughs> in history. And I, now you think, you think if he comes down and says we're banning all assault weapons, we're we're implementing another assault weapon ban, nobody's going to turn in anything. They're going to be like, I'm not giving you this gun. I paid twelve hundred bucks for it. It's going under my bed. That's <laughs> that's one of the things that uh, another thing is is is, is everything is can, every time something happens, they call it an assault rifle, uh, and not not all every do, single time. Yeah. Why? Yeah. At some point, and I don't want to, I mean, I, you know, I'm on the skeptical edge. I get a little conspiratorial about this stuff. <laughs> and I'm going to get okay. into it. Hey, this this stuff is real. I mean, there's been CIA declassified documents based upon this. MKUltra. Go do a Google search on MKUltra. I invite all the listeners right now. MK space U-L-T-R-A. It's in Wikipedia. That the government experimented with mind control to create Manchurian candidates. And they were completely, completely successful. And that was in the 1960s. If you think they haven't perfected that, I mean, it doesn't take much to brainwash a person and say, you're going to do this on this date at this time. Have you ever watched the movie Manchurian Candidate where he answers the phone and he goes, hello, and the guy says some code word and all of a sudden... He goes into some state of mind, and suddenly he doesn't know why. He just pulls out a handgun and shoots somebody in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how? Who? Who's to say that all these recent shootings that have escalated ex- exponentially since Obama's been in office? Who's to say all these aren't perpetrated or false flags attacks in order to push this Second Amendment gun ban? This is why we need to get rid of all the guns. I mean. God, he couldn't even he couldn't even just not talk about that at the, at the the funeral for these five people. But that happens. I mean, every he had time, to bring you know, it up, but I'm like, God. Every time, every time something happens, it becomes a a a, a political statement. I, you know, I, I I understand. You know, you know, you respect the office, but I, I kind of think sometimes some of these families are thinking, you know, what? Why don't you just not show up? Let us grieve. Oh. Let us just grieve. Do you do you know how many officers boycotted that? Do you do you realize when he came in to Dallas to go to that? Uh, it wasn't a funeral. What what would you call it? It was like a memorial service, right? Yeah, like a memorial service. Do you know how? Do you know so many police officers boycotted that because they know what he's all about? That that the government had to bring in private military, closed military, to provide security for his motorcade. That's how many police officers said, nope, calling in sick. You know, He's so disrespected by our military, it's sickening. It happens, you know, these, these, a lot of these guys, uh, I think that happened the same thing uh, when a couple of police officers got killed in New York. and. Uh, yeah, you uh, remember them all turning their back on him? Yeah. On and, the governor? They, mm-hmm. Exactly. So Thousands of them. They were all out there. They all turned their back on him. They, I'm telling you, law enforcement in the military 
they blame Obama for this. And you know what? I think a lot of people do because he's not doing anything to help race relations. He's not getting out there saying, look, this is this is ridiculous, all this violence. He's not sticking up for police officers. He's not telling Black Lives Matter there's a better way to go about this. And I'm willing to meet with the leaders and we can discuss this. There's proper ways to go about dealing with this. You can't just get it. I posted a video on my page today of a news reporter. I can't remember what network he's with, but he's going up to protesters. And he's a decent guy, but he's a white guy. And he goes, would you would you like to explain your movement and why it is that you're, you're throwing Molotov cocktails, rocks and stuff at the police? And the guy pretty much says, F you, mother effer, F the police. Some woman comes up, slaps the microphone away, and they're just F this, F that, and F the cops and the pigs and kill them all. And I'm like, you know, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, how do you expect these police to act? I feel so bad because imagine being a police officer right now. Do you realize police officers are quitting their departments in droves right oh, now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Departments are like on a mass hiring scale because these cops are like, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this. These cops now, they're so paranoid right now. And I know the sheriff's department here, they're riding in twos now. They never did that before. Now they're tagging up in squad cars because they they don't know at any minute if they're going to get ambushed. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's terrible. It's just it's just not right. There's a better way to go about this, and this just is not the right way. I mean, during Vietnam, people protested. They walked on, on Washington. You know what I mean? They protested. They held speeches outside the Capitol. They did all these different things. Man, they weren't out there shooting everybody. They weren't, you know... <sighs> It, it's just becoming bad, and I, I'm I'm in total fear of a full-on race war in this country. You know what do you? Well, think? you know I mentioned that I mentioned that to somebody the other day, and I was like, you know, it, it's going to come to a point, and and they said, no, not really. They don't think it's going to be like a civil war, and I'm like, well, you know, we're already heading that way because if a white person even thinks about saying, and I, I've seen this in the past, you know, week or so, if a white person comes up and says, well. You know, I don't really think that, you know, can't we all just, you know, say all lives matter and then you'll have, you know, it seems like lately you have black and Latinos or anybody of color that's not white because, you know, white's not considered a color anymore. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm not really white, so I don't know if you ever looked at a piece of paper. I look like Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) (laughs) I look like a corpse. You know, like. You know, it's like white's not a color, and you know, like, I well, I mean, I have. Well, How about I'm, cream lives matter? <laughs> you well, come you know, up with a different I, name. But everybody's like, you know, everybody's banding together, and like, quote, white people are like in a little cubby hole by themselves, and it's like, well, no, all lives don't matter because you know, now it's it's us versus them, and it's like, us versus who? Because I'm sorry, but if. I seen somebody going after like one of my black friends or my Latino friends, like I'm going to stick up for them. And I don't care who that other person is. Like, I don't care if it's a, you know, a white person going after my black friend or a black person after my black friend, like I'm going to stick up for them. But does it really matter? Because I'm the white person. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's, I think that's, everybody's coming divided. And it's like the white people versus everybody else. Where are the Asians in this? That's what I want to know. They're, they're very quiet. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're they're running restaurants and selling fish. <laughs> well, you know, that's that, that's one of the issues, you know. The thing is, is uh, 
we're in a world now, like just like you said, Kel. You know, so many of us have so many friends and of, uh, and relatives now of, of different ethnicities and oh, absolutely uh, and, and oh, and then my other daughter Heather, mm-hmm. her boyfriend's Mexican, Josh yeah. Cruz. But he talks like a white guy. But I mean, he, <laughs> we go shooting together and play golf. But he, he's Hispanic. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's like, he was, he's all against Trump because he thinks Trump is a racist. But I, I don't I don't believe Trump is a racist. I just think that he needs to think before he speaks. I, I, I think he's not really good at thinking about the way he should say things. He just gets out there and says, we need to ban all Muslims. It's like, oh, as soon as he you know said what, that, I'm like, you know what, Kel, dumb uh, on, on, That's on, not what you meant. On that, I, I would I would have agreed with you in the past. I, I, I You know, for the <laughs> longest, I said I, I didn't think he was right. But when he was unable unable to disavow David Duke and pretended he didn't know him and, and acted like he didn't really understand. But he did, the, though. The Ku- he Ku- did. Have, I mean, there's no, no, no. He there. did down the road. He, he has a history yeah, down the road, making statements and and saying things or, or denying things, and then two or three days later, his team gets around him and goes, "Dude, come on." <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he's a racist. Honestly, he's he's had he has a lot of really famous black friends. I mean, if you look at the, really at the friends, I'm, really, I'm no, hold on, hold on. Just, I'm, I'm just not, saying, I'm not if you look over the years. Friends. He's been really close friends with a lot of famous black people. I mean, he just has. Now, is he ignorant? I think he's a really smart guy, but I think he's just, he's from the old school and he doesn't think before he opens his mouth. Like uh, maybe he's just been so spoon fed his whole life that he doesn't think that you can't say it this way. It's going to offend somebody. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Well, that's the way it sounded stupid. Instead of saying, we need to ban all Muslim people. Well, you can't ban a whole religion. What he should have said is, I think we need to put a halt on refugees that are being imported in this country from war-torn countries without vetting them first, he without could, thoroughly know, he, vetting he, them. He could have easily just said, anybody who enters this country needs to be fully vetted. Boom. End of story. Either that or especially from these war-torn countries that, that spur terror. He could have worded it ten different ways. But, you know, if you talk about, you know, who he's been friends with a long time, uh, he's been long-time friends with Crooked Hillary also. So, you know, I, I don't oh, I don't trust yeah. the guy. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I'll vote for him before I will Hillary. She just only, – only, I only say this because – and, I look, I'm, I'm an independent. I'm a libertarian. Gary okay? Johnson, I man. Gary Johnson all the way. I believe in the Constitution. I think the Bush Bush family, senior and junior, were completely corrupt. The Clintons are far more corrupt. Their corruption, you can trace back. There's so many videos online, the Mina Connection, the Clinton Chronicles. So many documentaries have been made, made about all their corruption and the, the people that wind up dead surrounding them. I mean, there's been tons and tons of people that just wind up dead that are supposed to testify against them. Or, I mean... I, I just I can't like deal the, with kinda it. Kind of like, like the no mafia, more Bushes, man. no more Clintons. We I just I just need a fresh start. Really? I don't think. I, I, people I, like. And I say, oh, you, you I put, say we, you put, we eliminate the Adams too. <laughs> well, you put people are like you put Trump in office. We're gonna we're all gonna die and we're gonna be in a world. It's like, you know, no president can just say, "I'm just gonna launch nukes." Everything has to go through a process through Congress. He can say, "Oh, we're gonna deport everybody." He can't do that alone. You know, and that, that's another thing. He he spoke you, off the you cuff gotta, again. He, you you got to watch out for these executive orders, though. I mean, you really do. I understand that, but in no way can he sign an executive order to deport. Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing going to happen. 
and you know, I think he said certain things off the cuff during some of these protests. And it, it you know, and it kind of scared me, I'll be honest with you, because the crowd was like, we need to build a wall and deport everybody. And everybody's like, ah. and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> you support that shit? I don't agree with that. Well, speaking of, since, we're, since we, we've gone on the, 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 the two candidates, uh, with all this violence that's been popping up and everything, uh, and we got these these these, uh, these conventions coming up, and people are just uh, as uh, vitriolic uh, when it comes oh, to the discussing the, the, the candidates. Do we, uh, I do think we see problems? Bad's with, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we're looking at the, the 68 convention or worse. Well, what was it? The Black Panther Party leader came out and said that he's telling everybody to arm themselves when they go to these protests. If they're legal. He said, if you're legal, arm yourself when you go to these protests. And I'm thinking, you know, this is going to go all bad. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. <sighs> you know, and no offense. I'll be honest with you. I watch a lot of these Trump rallies. I watch this and that. The only people that are getting attacked are Trump supporters. <laughs> and I, I'm not not defending Trump, but they're, it started off with like these Bernie supporters just go crazy and they were attacking everybody. Well, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of people over the years that the, you know but, the, the the parties but, the people who claim to be the lots of times the most liberal and the most engaging and the most uh, all welcoming. A lot of times are the most vitriolic and uh, and will attack somebody who they disagree with. Now there's been there's been documents that have come out from George Soros, who's very well known to fund Hillary and a lot of these left wing agendas or any agenda that suits him, and a vast amount of money. I there was a whole thing a disclosure a financial disclosure statement so came 30, out thirty one million or something like that. To, for protesters, they were they were busing protesters in and paying them to protest. I mean, wh- who does that? I'll give you a hundred dollars to go out there today and just reap havoc, protest, and be violent. Oh, give me my hundred dollars. That's I mean, well, I'm being honest. That's what's taking place. It's like, really, I man, it's just it's scary. And I think this, uh, you're gonna see. A DNC and an RNC this year, like you've never seen in history. It's going to be all bad. It will, uh, you know, I hope not. I, I really do hope it doesn't. It, oh, it, I hope it, not it, too. Divulge but... into this, but I, I do have, I do have uh, thoughts that some, uh, I think, I think that's one of the reasons that Bernie's trying to, uh, to saddle up with Hillary now, because otherwise, uh, you know, a lot of his, Really, really uh, strident supporters were going to uh, disrupt, be very disruptive at the at the convention. Well, they're all really turning their back. Love, on. I really just love how you have. Uh, I've seen it. I really just love how everybody who was support like Bernie was just like, no, don't be for Hillary, don't be for Hillary, and now he's like, oh, he's like totally for Hillary, and I was like, I, I posted that video today. It, <laughs> I if you go on my page, so much. well, anybody <laughs> listening, it's uh, Kale Kelly. There's a picture with me with Ozzy Osbourne there flipping off the camera. So that's my profile. Anyway, I'll be free to add you. But I, I post, <laughs> I read him at a, I met him at a radio event. Anyway, so um, when I was doing FM. But I, I posted a thing today of Bernie during all these debates. She took $15 million from Goldman Sachs and she's been Wall Street and her funds and the Saudi Arabians giving her money and she's everything. 
everything you don't want. It's like if you watch that video, he sits there and tells you how corrupt and how so against this, you know, how she's the typical candidate, all about the system. And and then it all of a sudden he's like, I'm for Hillary. I'm like, you just sold your soul to the devil, dude. You just supported somebody that that is for everything you're against. I don't even under. It's like, why? I don't even understand right. that. So, and, it, it, you know, the thing is, is this, this is what's wrong with the two party system. Because the, all of the 90 percent of the Republicans did the same thing. They all hated. Trump. I agree. And you know what? And now, what's and now, really they're, sad? now they're all behind me. You know, you know how many libertarian independents there are out there? I mean, we should have when we do have an independent party, but it, it doesn't register. I mean, you could be a staunch libertarian, <clears throat> sorry, and run for president, you'll never see yourself on the ticket. <laughs> it's just, Come on. You're telling me we, Gary's not going to be on the ticket. I'm, vote, I'll write well, him, I'm writing him in then. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, a lot of people write him in, but, but they never get elected. And it's so far down the scales. We, we do need a third party yes. because this two-party system is just... It's corrupt. It's, yeah, it's one hand washes the other. Yeah. It's the same thing. Only one is pro-gun and one is not. But let me, let me you know, this can even go a little bit deeper. I, I, I have a really good friend who, uh, who uh, used to live in uh, D.C. And, and, and work around there and stuff. And I, Talk and about heard, crime and, in D.C. is horrible. Yeah, and I've heard and I've heard other people say the same thing. These two, these groups that you see uh, on the Senate floor, uh, screaming at each other, calling names, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, hit some of the famous famous uh, DC hotspots for the big movers and the shakers in the middle of the night, and you'll see the same ones uh, to- toasting to each other and back slapping. You know, uh, you know they claim to oh, hate each other. They claim Keith. To- <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a reason people don't don't stop. To, they don't they don't stop to think. There's a reason why when the Clintons, when they when they went into the pre- presidency, I think they. Oh, maybe $300,000 they were worth. Nobody stops to think why when these presidents get out of the office, they're worth millions, millions and millions, even yeah. senators. We, we had a guy here. He used to be a sport or channel 10 sportscaster here in Phoenix. Um, that's right. Tip my tongue. Anyway, he ran for office, became a senator by the time he got out of office, he was a multimillionaire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just sickening. And then he went to work for Fox, of course. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, there's there's something corrupt there. These are people that are being bought on a daily basis. Oh, All absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I posted a picture. It was a few months ago, but it was it was kind of funny when you sit there learning about or listen to Bernie talk about inequality we need $15 an hour and I posted this this photo that somebody took of him and his wife driving in a Bugatti down the road (laughs) (laughs) guy owns a mansion I mean it's like come on man come on now well that's the hugest problem with a lot of these guys a lot a lot of our politicians have never ever ever held a job they've been no their their job what did they say he didn't have a legitimate job till he was like in his forties. They said <laughs> he, he he couch surfed most of his life and kept yeah. getting kicked out of kicked out of uh, living arrangements because they didn't like uh, they couldn't stand that's, him. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, and there, there's something to be when you sit there and listen to Bernie, fifteen dollars an hour. Nobody, we need a living wage. You know, that's great. And guess what happened? 
as soon as Bernie was out, now Hillary's like, we need a $15 an hour. No, hold on. We need a $15 an hour living wage. <laughs> it's like I'm watching freaking The Wizard of Oz all over again. Every time she speaks, I'm like, oh, my God, turn that down. Uh, you're you're a better but man she, than I am because if you if you could listen to either one of the any any one of those three, uh, I can't I, I can't but, listen but, to Trump I can't listen to Hillary I can't listen to Bernie, uh, you know it's just, uh, I, uh, it's just we need so to cool. build the we need to build the fucking wall right <laughs> this be big these be wide, and this could be golden it's gonna say Trump all over it all right <laughs> they love me. Look, look, that's why I Those don't Mexicans? watch TV, and that's why I don't listen to the radio. I don't want to listen to nobody. Uh, I listen to Swoop. That's what I listen to. I listen to Swoop. Again, you only get to hear him oh, like twice a month. A, <laughs> that's a suck-ass move right there. Well, you know, I, uh, I, bring it on. I, I, I don't mind. <laughs> hey, you I'm know just what? saying, the, the hypocrisy. I mean, look at Hillary's, if you look at the poll ratings, People that trust Hillary are like thirty percent, as opposed to like Trump at seventy five. Here's, I mean, here's the worst she thing about lies this. so much about everything, and Hillary is going to tell her voters, anybody who listens, she's going to tell them anything they want to hear. Oh, we're going to raise the minimum wage. We're going to do everything Bernie wanted to do. Yes, we're going to do that. She's such a liar. But Hillary's he- well known to tell people whatever they want to hear. When she gets in office. That all goes by the wayside. She doesn't give a shit. The worst thing about we're getting it. The worst thing about uh, that. This, this is what's wrong with this this time around. She has has she has horrible, horrible likability ratings, and oh, she yeah. has horrible trust ratings. Yet you she still yes she still outpolls. That's what I'm saying. So you believe these polls? I think they're bullshit. Have you, did you see the crowds that showed up to Bernie rallies? They were as big as Trump's. Thousands. Oh, and all yeah, you saw yeah, yeah, from yeah, Hillary yeah. is town hall meetings. Right. And she bought all those delegates. Even though Bernie had more votes in California than she did, she still won. And in several states because she bought off the delegates beforehand. You know the Clinton it, it, the Clinton group came in, swooped in, said, Hey, how much for your vote? And they bought off the super delegates, and therefore none of the average voters' votes mattered because they were bought off. As it's one, totally rigged. As one uh, a friend of mine says, if you so know, much if you know the rules, you can play the game. That's what I'm saying. But do, do you see? Look, I don't agree with all Trump's policies. I don't agree with everything he says. I, I think, think he, I just think they're both horrible candidates. I, I, I do too. And, and is well, one is one worse than the other? Uh, I I really tell you, I can't stand either one of them. So, hey, it, it, put a put a knife in your hand, <laughs> stab the left eye for Hillary and the right eye for freaking trump i mean what are you gonna do those are the only two choices you got but at the same time can america just be single for a while can america just stay single can we just be single and just like go on hiatus i I just need us to be single for a while i I know but i I think it's i I, I just i have to i have to make i have to draw a line down the middle of the paper and I, i have to put hillary on one side and trump honesty honesty jobs jobs corrupt corrupt Voted to outsource all the jobs of America, wants all the jobs back in America. I mean, if you go down the list, whether or not I agree with everything he stands for, everything he says out of his big fat mouth, I, I, I have to go with Trump because I work in the manufacturing industry. I'm an engineer. Oh. I've watched I've watched this industry I'm in be decimated. I've, I mean, 
everybody on this planet has seen Detroit, Michigan become a goddamn ghost town because all the auto industry was shipped out. Yeah. The coal industry. Hillary's like, shut them all down. There's more people out of where. I mean, the, between, you know, NAFTA and GATT and now the, what, the North American Free Trade Agreement and everything else that they're trying to pass, they're, they just want to outsource everything out of this country and it's just putting thousands and thousands of people out of work people are losing their jobs their homes their families they're losing everything and i don't see hillary we're gonna bring jobs back it's bullshit you voted for nafta well yeah you I, voted I, to ship all this shit out of here you're gonna vote for everything see my you're my, selling we're selling this country out we need a change we do. and you know, i think we just i think we just need to put pokemon as the president <laughs> Everybody wants pokemon. and i guarantee you probably get more fucking votes <laughs> <laughs> right before we wrap things up i just my 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 thing is is, is i'm tired of going to the polls and holding my nose to pull the lever for the the least the least but do you realize you're pulling the lever for bullshit though well you know i i think this time i decided you know what if 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 I can't find somebody who I can really truly really get behind, follow your heart. Well, so that's why I'm going with Gary Johnson, the Libertarian. I lo- I I loved Rand or Ron Paul, you know, but he never saw the light of day. He was a true Libertarian. He, he, he wanted. Even, he didn't get out of the stardom blocks this time around. I thought for sure. Of course he was not, gonna... because he runs as an independent. But I mean, you know, he he's all for legalizing drugs. He's all for you know, hey, legalize them. Well, well, what about heroin? You know what? We'll start clinics to get people off of it. And you know what? That's actually working in some states. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're bringing people into these clinics. They're saying, look, you need a hit. We'd rather you come here and get one than OD on the street. And they're saving thousands of lives. We have but to find something. I agree. But we, you know, getting back to the BLM thing before we get off, because I know you have another guest. And you got to go to bed. Starts... <laughs> I'm sorry. And you got to go to bed. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm still good to go for another thirty minutes, but it's okay. I'll let you get to your guests. But my 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 thing is, I think that we need to start from the grassroots level, and we need to start thinking about these communities that are in are in dire need of education and different things to help these communities. It, it, when you when you think about the mass incarceration of of African Americans or blacks, whatever, in, in prison. You know who implemented that? Bill Clinton. He's the one that implemented the street three strike law. That's why you have people serving life in prison for dealing four ounces of marijuana for the third time. I mean, these are the kind of laws that need to be changed. And we need to educate these people. And we need to put groups or some kind of systems in these communities to educate these people, to get them out of the gangs, to get them out of the violence, to... Let them understand that there's a better way of life. Yeah, okay, and, and, because a lot that, of it is education. Said, with that being said, that's, they, people have a choice that they try to say that they don't have a choice. But I made the choice to get. I made the choice to move out of the all black neighborhood. <laughs> I understand that, but, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. Do you realize that the average black man has more opportunities than I do? I don't have a. I don't have a. What is it? The the the. African College Fund. What, what was it called? Oh, the uh, United Negro College Fund. Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't say but Negro. That's every, that's racist. That's what it is. That's what it's called, man. United Negro College Fund. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't have that. Can I? Can I start? Everybody a... has. Everybody has a choice to. And there. I mean, granted, I'll give you. There are stereotypes for 
everybody. You know, I know like right now, right now I'm in the hood. Like I'm sitting in the hood. So if I walk outside, you're going to see people who are dressed a certain way. Are they, you know, to some people, they may look scary because they are, they're dressed as the persona of somebody who's scary. Are they? No. I can go out there and be like, what the hell are you doing? They're going to be like, hey, shut up. Because I know them. So to me, they're not scary. But to the average person, if they come rolling through this neighborhood, they're going to be like, oh, hell no. Because they're dressed in the stereotypical hood outfit. Well, you know, if, but- if you see a female who is dressed in what would be the what would be a street walker or like a a horror <laughs> uniform she may not be but if you are dressed a certain way you're going to be perceived a certain way so you know i mean hey here's here's the situation you have a choice that. And, and, and when you talk about making those choices uh you know i i've seen i've seen people walk into a, a business and ask for a job application and you know they get handed one and walk out and i'm thinking there's absolutely no way they will ever hire you 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 couldn't pull up your pants and 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 you know tuck in your shirt for five minutes when the walk around the corner to walk in and ask for a job application you come in and you know your your drawers are hanging off your knees and you and you know we need to you need to have create some some self-esteem uh you know uh within individuals because you know what everybody who's born in a certain situation doesn't stay in that situation you know plenty of people have come from uh areas of, of poverty and gone on to be huge success the people who've like you said dress a certain way or whatever you know that's their kind of thing around the house, around the neighborhood, and stuff like that. But when they go out looking for a job, they know how to uh, present themselves right. in, a, in a certain way so they can actually move forward in life. And uh, and you know I think there's some some choices that people have to be made, and whether or not they have to be taught it, it starts at home. It, it definitely starts right. at home. And with that being said, I do know, and I'm going to put it out there, I do know that there are companies who how do I put this? They are, they, they only look for certain types of people. I do have a friend who, she is a black woman, and I was talking to another friend of mine, and I was telling him about this too. She did apply for this job, very qualified for it. She put on her resume, you know, her qualifications. She had a phone interview. It came out that she was a black woman. They, she called back for him. They said that she, the position has been filled. She was like, what are you talking about? They were still hiring for the position. She reapplied, changed up her resume, had another re- another um, interview, came back. It came out that she was a white woman. They called her in. She walked in as a black woman. They were like, oh, well, we were looking for, she was like, yes, I am the black woman who you hired as a white woman. Huh. So there are companies. Oh, we lost you. Hang on. Hang on a second. Lost you both. How'd that happen? There's Stacy. And let's see if we can get That was just rude. Yeah, uh, yeah, I lost you then. I gotta get uh, uh, Kale got Kale got cut off too. I gotta try to get Kale back on here <laughs> so we can wrap things up. <laughs> Stacy, you still there? 
Okay, I, I, I got, how do I do this? I got Kale on hold. <laughs> I'm going to have to hang up on Kale and add him with the plus. I did that wrong. This this whole thing is just killing me. <laughs> how do you add? Oh, man. Okay, let's see here. We'll try this one more time. Uh, I'll add to call. So, you know, yeah, so, you know, there there are companies that, or not. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think there I, are companies that do stuff like that that really shouldn't. But you know, with that being said, like you said, um, there are different things that you can do to you know present yourself in a ma- in a manner where you can you know come up. You don't have to be where you came from because anybody who knows me personally knows I did not come with a silver spoon. <laughs> I you know I came from down there, and uh, you know. Well, but, uh, God, I lost. How do I add? Oh, there we go. Let me try this one more time. If, if I can. It get, says that he's there. It says he's there, but he doesn't show up. So, it, hello. Oh, there he is. is. There he is. <laughs> I figured out what it was. <clears throat> Operator. My error? sound card. Ah. Well, my sound card's been acting flaky, so I got to get a new one. I guess it fell. Ah. I was sitting that's there talking. Happens, that's, what when, that's what happens when you don't do your show on a regular basis. It flops on you. <laughs> No, that's what happens when you have a teenage daughter that has to Skype with her friends and use my voice changer to talk to her friends and go, hello, how are you? <laughs> so, yeah. I, I was sitting there talking to all of a sudden. I lost all, I couldn't hear anything. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, it wasn't like, you. It wasn't you. Swooped aside. He didn't want to talk to none of us at one point. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, my, my whole point I, I was at was, you know, I don't have the NAACP. I don't have a lot of these opportunities that the black community has. I mean, if I started a white lives matter movement and start walking down the street they call me the clan yeah well that's if i if i start the united white people's college fund they'd be like well you're racist i mean where's the double standard you know how about uh there's not enough people winning oscars that are of color at you know you remember that i do remember it and it, it, you know it, it, we we this is like i'm telling you we're going back to those those whole statistic thing and, and you know, okay you, well and it, 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 what ha- what's going to happen though it, it will backfire on people because yeah. then you're going to start losing opportunities that you think you should have had but because you you've you've saturated that area you're beyond uh, your quote representation in the nation so uh, okay well what's the double standard because we have the bte awards <laughs> bet yeah, the bacon, tomato, and uh, all of them. You are so weak But you know, you're right, and and then and I think well, that's what's, what I'm saying. It's, it's a total double standard. It, Black it, Entertainment Awards, but if I did the white awards only, people are like, "What the hell? You're so goddamn." It's racist. called the Oscars, Kale. It's called the Oscars. You have that already. You know that that's just not fair because I mean. I, I now I can't speak for the people that give out the awards, but I don't see that the. Uh, I mean, didn't Oprah win an Oscar for the color purple? Well, a lot, you know, several several people. But you know what? I they... know, but it, it's it's like, but they're like not enough black people win. Well, it's like so now we have to go out of our way to find a reason to give black people. I mean, well, you know, come thing, on, man, the, you're the, killing me. The here. thing is, is when you start once again when you start calling people, there was a guy who wrote a pretty good op-ed. Uh, is a gay Hispanic man who actually is a, was a voting... Was his name Alejandro? <laughs> <laughs> was he very muy point? 
<laughs> he was a he's a voting member of the Oscars, and he says, you know what? I love he, he him. Says to call, he's to call so me, sexy. To, yeah, to, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> he said to call me racist was just totally offensive. He says, I these are the things I look for. When I don't. I, I'm not racist. I like everybody. <laughs> well, first of all, you did that very well, Kale. Too good. <laughs> he said, These I have been married I 20 years. I got, I got six kids. I've adopted four, and I got like four exchange students. So if I wanted to be gay at any point in my life, Stacey, I'm sure I would have found it by now. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you know, all the things he looks for when he make, when he votes uh, on, on, on Oscars or on Best Pictures and stuff like that. And he says, you know, everybody wanted uh, this one movie to win, but he says it, it, it had this, it had this, it had this, but it didn't have that. And that's the, you know, and, and he says, the, vote, the one I voted for had all the things I look for in, in voting. And he says, and if that makes me racist, uh, you know, he, he says, you know, just so be it. It does because it had nothing to do with race. And that's the problem with a lot of these things. That's it's, what I'm saying. It's, I hate to use this word, but it boils down to ignorance and intolerance. Well, it's like, you know, like I said, if you cry, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. You know what? If you call everything racist, Everything racist, everything racist. When racism truly, really and truly happens, nobody's going to listen to you because they're not going to believe you. Yeah. Hey, guys, I I really appreciate you joining me tonight, and that was some some fun. Oh, now you're getting rid of me. (laughs) I got got another guy coming on in two minutes. (laughs) You know, white lives matter, man. (laughs) Who told you that? (laughs) White voices matter. (laughs) You're not white. You're wheat thin, remember? (laughs) Wheat thin lives matter. No, that's not even a moment. Uh, Maybe I, I should start one. I really, truly uh, appreciate you all coming on, man. And, so and, we we love you so much. I, I adore you. I've adored you for years. And um, I'm so thankful that you're such an open-minded person. You're educated and you're you're very loving and you, you do a really great radio show. And I'm very thankful to have you in my life. Thank you, brother. Same, same, same way, man. <laughs> Stacey, Stacey, <laughs> I would have traveled up there and had an affair with you, but you're just... Too close-minded. <laughs> Just for that so accent alone. I, there's so many things I would say right now, but he has <laughs> one minute to get his, his person on. No, I know. I <laughs> love Morning, morning coffee. I used to get on there and give her a hard time every morning. <laughs> no, I love Stacy. She's, she's a beautiful soul. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue, for having us on. And uh, anytime you want me on again, brother, please let me know. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank hey, you, Stacy. Thanks, you guys. Hey, have, have a, a blessed week. week. You Thank too. you, everybody that listened, and um, stay safe, everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> Bye, Stacy. By the water. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Kale. By the desert. <laughs> You're listening to the Swoops Run of the Talk Story Radio <laughs> Network, uh, sponsored by HealthyNewDay.com. We're gonna take a quick break and come back. Get Anthony Davis on the line. I want to thank Kale Kelly and Stacy Lupinacci for joining us for that first uh, segment of the show and. Uh, Fun, good times, good talk, and some good thoughts and good ideas out there. And you know, as they uh, as they say, we just all want everybody to get along, man. Take a quick break. This is the Ultra Billies. Back after this.
This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. If you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. Every day I wake up at 5 to give dad his medicine. At 6 I make his breakfast. At 7 I shower. Every day I wake up for at those five. caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community to help us better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org/caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the wall. You're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to Swirl World on the Talk Story Radio Network. Good times, good times, man. I always have a good time with uh, Stacy and Kale, and it's been a long time to have them both, uh, for me to be in the, I don't think I've ever been on the radio with both of them at the same time, but uh, that's a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to do it again, we're going to do it again real soon, I, I really enjoyed that, and hopefully we can, uh, can pull it off again. We're going to give uh, AD a call and see if he's uh, available, and uh, see what he's got to chat about. Good evening. Good evening. We'd like to bring in welcome to the show our good time 
colleague and friend, a five-time national champion, two-time All-American out of USC, played in the NFL and the CFL and uh, WFL, I believe, also. The great played one everywhere. and only, the Anthony Davis. How you doing, AD? I'm doing good. It's always uh, it's always good to have a chance to chat. Been a while, but uh, how you been, man? Well, just busy, busy, working the business. Yes, indeed. Working my real estate stuff. So uh, that's it. Working on a lot of different things. <laughs> he says real, with all the frames, he says real estate. All the stuff going. That, all the stuff. All the stuff. Excuse me. You said real estate. Is that, is that what you call the ladies these days, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you want to interpret, you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, this just kind of gets get some things started here. We 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 uh, hang on a second. My computer has done some crazy things today, but we're we're still hanging in there. One of the uh, one of the things I want to challenge you about just get kind of get things started is uh, uh, we're we're getting close to uh, collegiate football season. I know that's you know I know you you're a man of many talents and many many sports and, and enjoy a lot of sports, but we we frequently talk about. Uh, the the Pac-12 and, and the NCAA. Right. Uh, you getting a little, you getting a little. Uh, you see anything you, you're, you're looking uh, for? Some freshmen coming in that you get your eye on, or uh, in any in any division in any school. Uh, what's 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 been uh, what's been the word out there? Well, I mean, I'm I haven't really been following most of the the kids coming in. I just been I've been following the the maybe the re start of USC's program with Clayton Hilton. Yeah. Clay Hilton. And uh, uh, he, he, he did a great gesture, as far as I'm concerned, by inviting all the former players out to a spring practice. He's trying to rebuild his program. He's trying to build uh, a foundation of former players and get that. I don't know why in the past it hasn't been that way, but he he's starting to do that. And what I do notice about USC in particular, uh, that they are very talented. They've always had great talent. And the thing that, that that I've noticed through the spring practice is that they got to get that quarterback established, but the team to beat in the conference, since we've always talked about the Pac-12, the team that's beating the conference this year, even though I'm SC, man, it's going to be Stanford, and then, and, that's, and then it's also Oregon. So those are the challenges for USC to be – to reestablish their foothold into the conference. I mean, you know, and, and, and here it is, and, it, and I'm not being negative toward our, my program or our program. Uh, the thing is, uh, you can't have three coaches in five years and keep a, pro, a program steady. So what I hope the powers that be at USC will do is let this man stay there and rebuild his program and, and, and let it be solid for a good five years. Got to give this man five years to build his program. That's my opinion. So that's that's what I really noticed. You know, my alma mater, you know, being alum is what SC is doing. I believe their ta- talent pound for pound can match anybody in the country. Now, you know, the opener is Alabama. Now, that's going to be a Lulu because, you know, Alabama's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And I'm sure Lane Kiffin is sitting back there thinking, here's my opportunity to get back coming off a national championship 
And I tell you, if, if, if Coach Hilton can beat Alabama, well, that'll set a precedent for him over there. I wish him the best. But I don't know, but he's going to play in a neutral site. They're playing in Jerry, I think it's going to be in Jerry World's place. Is that it? I, that believe, I believe so. Well, that's going to be that's going to be uh, favored Alabama. But anything can happen, like I, we say, on any given, given Saturday. But if he can put a good showing together, and if he can beat Alabama or have a great showing, I think it's, it's going to be promising in USC. So that's what I've noticed this year. That's what I've been focused on. You've uh, you you played a lot of years at a lot of different places. Uh, you know, we consider youth 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 college and everything else. You have you ever walked showed up at a program uh, or come back? You know, after the last year where you've had so many different uh, changes. Uh, you know, uh, I know as an athlete, you get up for just about anything. You're you're excited to play. You, you love you love the sport. But still, there's there's that uh, that personal human emotion, and you know I, I I played on a team one time one year that uh, you know went over like eight or over ten or something like that, and let me tell you, in, midway through the year, you you know you're still looking forward to playing, but you're not really expecting to do much. Uh, you know SC, you know they finished, you know they they had they had some really good some really highs last year and, and a few lows, but. Uh, coming off the off the summer season and everything, and heading into Alabama, what do you think the guys and the coaches are feeling? Well, I mean, we lost you, brother. You there? Ad. Yeah. Oh, there you are. There you are. What did you say? You think you're talking about what they're talking about? What they can do with Alabama against Alabama? Yeah, I mean the, 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 the mental, the mental, the mental preparedness. Uh, they, they, they feel they feel they got a good shot, or you think they just uh, if we if we we, we, we get we, we suffer through Alabama and then the rest of the season's ours, or they they go in there with the, with the mindset that we can win this game? Well, yeah, I mean they're going to have the great mindset because the, the, from a talent standpoint, they match anybody in the country, and they, and they probably got the top five most talented personnel in the country, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they can match anybody. The thing is, is systematically, are they going to be prepared to go up a well-oiled machine like Alabama? That's the challenge. I mean, you're, you know, they can really play the national champion. Now, they've lost their, 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 their senior class, but those guys have already been implemented in, in a system already. So the system is in place and it's well-oiled, whereas it, SC is revamping and changing things. And Clay Hilton is putting his stamp on the program. Right. So, I mean, that's what, that, that is, that is, that is the, the difference between Alabama and USC. And then you've got to get everybody on the same page. The system coaches got to get on the same page. And they've got to put their wrinkles in it. And and and, you, and you, they, basically they got to have a mental colonic to uh, start fresh. So some of these kids have been through all kind of systems. Yeah, which is insane. You can't win a football game when your brain is clogged. You got it's got to be football's got to be second nature. Period. Second nature. 
It's like drinking a glass of water. You can't go to the line of scrimmage thinking. Whereas Alabama's going to be there ready to go. <laughs> is FC going to be ready to go? That's the challenge. Right. And that's it. And if FC can pull off a stunning victory, oh, there's going to be some excited people in Troyville. <laughs> well, you know, not, not only we, 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 we see it's, it's Clay Hilton's chance to, uh, to put his stamp on things and, 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 and create his uh, uh, legacy at SC. Uh, your classmate uh, is the new athletic director. Uh, you know, you said, uh, you know, Clay Hilton needs uh, about five years to, to kind of get, get, get established. Uh, what about Swan? You think you think he needs in, in, in that position? What, how many years in that position do you think somebody needs to really get get the field and get hit their stride? Well, first of all, you know, you know, as it is, it, you know, football subsidizes everything over there. Yeah. Football is the is the anchor sport at USC, and Lynn is very aware of that because you know he was there during the great years of McKay. He was there with me as a teammate, and I think he realized, you know. The, the difficulties the school's had in the last five, six years with the three different coaches. Right. And this is the third course. So I, he understands that as a former collegiate and a pro, he realizes you've got to have a chance, you have a time to, to change, get, to t- get a foundational situation with a system going there. You know, because that'll, that'll run kids away if, they, if, if SC seems like it's up and in and flighty. they got to get anchored again and become that power to, the, the power to be that people know what they've been about over the years. So Lynn is very aware of that, and I'm sure he's thinking that way. And you got to give this man plenty of time to do it. You can't just give him two years and, okay, it's over again. So it, 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 it'll be an endless cycle like it's been the last five or six years. Lynn understands, Lynn understands that. Right. One of the things, one of the things I got a question for you know we, we always uh, you know we always hear about alumni associations and uh, the, the the contributors to a university and the people who have name, buildings named after them and that you have to uh, you have to uh, uh, appease those those individuals. Uh, we we've seen in other universities where. You know, things were in turmoil, and, and people cleaned house. Uh, we also saw year in and year out uh, with, with some troubles uh, at your alma mater. Um, and I know you don't get involved in a lot of that stuff, but why do you think uh, things were uh, able to uh, to go on so long with uh, all the coach changes and all these types of things uh, without the uh, Alumni Association uh, speaking up or some of the uh, the big donors? I don't know why it is. I, you know, I, you know, it's definitely been some blunders over there. Uh, let's start with Lane Kiffin. Let's start, then they go to Sark. And I mean, it's amazing. Then, you know, I got to got to talk about my former teammate Pat Hayden and, and J.K. McKay. Uh, why it went astray like that? Only thing you can say is that uh, were they administratively ready for the job? Uh, did they make some mistakes in in in, in and, and, and coaching searches, uh, did they really study the, the pedigree of those coaches and where they've been and look at the other programs they've been in? So all those questions come up. And I'm sure some of the key alums have had some conversations with some of the people there. But why they let it go so far is beyond me. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm talking about. You have to anchor that program. 
if FC's football program is not anchored down and not and not the traditional program has been, and as in I can and I can be the spokesperson for the greatest time in the school's history because I'm you know I'm a five-time national champion. I played the greatest time in the school's history, so that set the standard. And so I know a lot of people that approach me that some went to school with me, some around USC says, "Well, hey Anthony, didn't doesn't Pat understand that that you know?" That you, you and him played in the greatest time in the school's history. I says, well, uh, you have to ask Pat that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the roadmap was set. When John McKay was the head coach and athletic director there, that was the most successful time in school's history and, 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 and probably the most successful time in NC2A history. I mean, we had five straight national titles in baseball. We had three we had two national titles in football. No, three in football in the 70s. And then you had and, and, and then you had track, golf, swimming. You know, all those sports were winning national titles. Right. And then you and then you even you had basketball that was that would challenge UCLA the great years of the wooden years. So I mean, collectively, uh, everyone around USC that knows anything about USC sports and athletics knows that that was the greatest time in the school's history. That set the standard. And, and unfortunately, that's what, you have to, that's what you have to play in your goal to. There's not any other. And, and no one, no other school in the country collectively has done that. So what they need to do is just go back in history, look at that roadmap, and, and I know things have changed, but still, that's the great period. That's the greatest period. So you need to take some notes from that great period because you're not doing what we did. And so great programs sort of tend on their traditional uh, ingredients and what got them where they are. One of the things, uh, and you talk about traditional ingredients, you know, the years you played there all the way through, uh, uh, you know, through Marcus and, and a few others, you know, SC was known as tailback U. And, uh, you know, right. we were talking about student body right, student body left. You know, the game changed a lot uh, in some instances, but, you know, a good strong running back and a good strong running program opens up the, the, the passing lanes, uh, you know. Uh, do SC kind of, we saw some of that in the last couple of years, but then they would, they would kind of drift away from it. Uh, do you think that that style of ball uh, it can still be uh, successful, uh, at least at the collegiate level? Look, listen. Saban, look, Coach Saban in Alabama has proved that you can win with a power game. How many national championships he's won? <laughs> so, 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 if you don't believe that that can work, go talk to Coach Saban at Alabama. Okay, if they can do it there. And be successful. SC can do it at SC. Now, I would say you can see you're gonna see a 35, a 30, a 25 carry, a 30 carry game every once in a while. You might see that. You just you adjust. But I would have implement a two back system. You can do all the other stuff. You can you can spread them. You can do a one back, single back, two back. But I would have a core where I would have a two back system where I play action off of all of that. I mean, that's what Saban does, and he's kicking everybody's rear end. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ohio State is similar, sort of similar to that. But, you know, all this trickery stuff, the spread stuff, and, 
and trying to outsmart. No, you got to play power football. At the end of the day, football is still football. And, and, and the talent that I know that's sitting at USC, they can implement something like that. Hey, you know, you, you need to put a 240-pound fullback back there with a tailback and let them both run it. Put them in different sets, multiple sets. Let them both catch the ball. You see, so let them catch it and both let them run it, you know. Bill is great special team, a great kick returner. They got the talents for that, all that stuff, the special team. Right. So I'm, I'm a little baffled about why, you know, most teams in the country don't do that. But FC can do it because they get the tech kind, of, tech kind of talent. So I don't know why they have gone away from that. Old school football mixed it with, these, with, with the new ways of doing and running systems. It works. Saban's yeah. proven that. One how, many ta- how many national titles they have now? Four? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> go, try to tell, go, go try to tell Coach Saban it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I know you're, 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 is near and dear to your heart is, is protecting that head, protecting that brain and, and, and with concussions and stuff. Any changes? Right. Any changes this year uh, on the collegiate level as far as concussion protocol? No, I don't think so. I just think you know I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm a big advocate and uh, uh, Dr. Amen, Dr. Christian uh, uh, Willemeyer, who's the right arm. She's a great doctor who was part of this whole thing. There's no. It's going to be the same protocol. You know the thing that we advocate is you know. Uh, they should be on a, on, a, on a comprehensive supplement program, which I do and take. They should be, have a hyperbaric system in every collegiate facility, you know, collegiate game professionally. And maybe someone, now they got to do it in high school, do it in high school. I think that preventative measures and treatment should be done from my standpoint, from a novice understanding that they should have these things implemented. Why they don't do that, I have no clue. The NC2A, the NC2A, and high school associates around the country, they should start thinking, of, they should start to, and that's what we're pushing for. Right. You know, brain health. I mean, everyone knows the dangers of football now. I mean, when you get, when you, when you collide and you have those collisions, you have head collisions, there's going to be brain trauma. That's just part of the game. You know, like I've always said, I'm not trying to advocate, you know, abolishing football because that's American pastime, but there's consequences of playing football, period. You say whatever you want. And so it's going to be the same until they change and collectively all get together on this issue of, of, of brain trauma in the sport of football. Uh, nothing's going to change. It, you know, there's going to be some serious, you know, concussion situations in playing play football, right. period. And in every game, somebody's going to get a concussion. Every game, there's trauma because you can't collide with a brain and, and have no repercussions. When you got, you know, you got 250-pound-plus guys going at each other, uh, the brain's not going to sit there and say, give me some more. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to protect it, and you got to do your best you can. And, I, and, and I'm the kind of guy who thinks about uh, all the preventive measures you can do. They got, they got treatments for everything else on the body, but the main one's not being protected, that, which is the brain. Right. Well... I, we, 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 we don't want to see those injuries. We want to see these guys protected. Uh, you know, it's a sport that I love, but I, I really don't want to see anybody have any long-term effects 
uh, from it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they, they find a way to uh, to minimize that. And, and like you said, everybody who straps on a helmet knows the uh, the dangers, but we still want them to be protected and, and safe, and then be able to have a long and, and uh, positive life. We're going to switch gears a little bit, man. Uh, I know you're you're a big baseball guy. I heard yesterday, uh, you know, it's, it's the uh, All Star break. But I heard yesterday that the Dodgers, or somebody speaking on behalf of the Dodgers, said that uh, they'd entertain uh, entertain trade talks uh, regarding Puig. What are your thoughts on that? Well, frankly, you know, I mean, you know, listen, me basic is being a, a top draft pick and and stuff. I just believe that I question a lot of people question his work ethic with the Dodgers. I think he's a kid, a guy, a kid came from. Communist Cuba didn't have much. It's like it, it went from an empty gas tank to a full gas tank, and it went from you know him eating little little shrubberies in a field. We had a whole had a whole acre yard of, of hay he was eating. He gets to the United States and he goes and goes crazy. That's been all the indications that I've heard. He got so much so fast that you know he got overloaded. And when he when he, as you know when he first got here, he was like hungry or wild. I mean, he did everything right. I think a lot, a lot of people question his, weapon, well, his work ethic. And then what happened? He started getting injuries and whatever. I mean, if they're entertaining, if he could turn himself around. I hope the Dodgers don't get, get rid of him. But I hope Quig turns, turns himself around because he's a phenomenal talent. He, he Cause, is. Because when he's healthy and he, when he's focused, there's nobody better in the game. But I think there's a lack of from from afar, as a former player myself, that he is lacking work ethic. Now I could be totally wrong, but based on what I've seen, what I've heard from different folks, that he's not he's not dedicated enough. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've also heard you know a million dollar talent with a ten cent brain at times uh you know they say that uh, <laughs> so the guy's got you know he's got all the talent he can throw the ball a mile he can he can he can out he can outrun you know can outrun a, a line drive and all these kinds of things and then he makes just some just horrible non-baseball decisions uh, at times and uh you know you kind of you kind of need to keep that reined in and you know first you know, he's been around a couple of years now. And at first they would say, well, you know, it's youth, you know, and, and, and like you said, and he's new to the country and this and that. But, you know, by now he should be uh, he should be hitting his stride. He should be in the flow. Well, I mean, he should be in the flow. I mean, who knows? He might rejuvenate himself and he, he might be the, the superstar that they project him to be. But, you know, you remember what happened to Raul Mondesi, who was a great talent. And, and, and see, a lot of this stuff with these guys, with all the money now, with all the fanfare, all the hype, all the Facebook, all the internet, all the tweeting and stuff distracts these guys. You got to be very, you have to be very focused and disciplined to be a, a great athlete. Yeah. That's what separates the great ones from the good ones. You know, and, and, and really off the field affects on the field. A lot of these guys don't get that. I thought, I thought when Henry Ramirez was was on the team, uh, and, and Uribe was on the team with him. I believe that those two were his support group. And when they left, you notice that his whole game changed as well. So uh, somebody's got to grab him and say, look, in order to be with the greats, in order to grow up to go and be the Willie Mazes of the past and, 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 and the Roberto Clementes of the past, 
and the Reggie Jacksons and all the great sluggers, uh, you have a chance to be the best of all time. And somebody has to get a hold of it that he admires and respects that can say, look, you need to stay focused. Right. You know, it's, and someone and someone who's played the game at a level will will get his attention and respects him. Well, I, I, I heard they brought in you know they brought in some guys to kind of to kind of mentor him, you know. But you know, it's interesting. You've heard stories over the years about athletes, uh, not not the fastest guy in the field, not the not the not the best hitter, not the best fielder, but the best work ethic. And you know, and then you end up in Cooperstown. Uh, and then you have guys with all the talent in the world that don't work as hard sometimes, or and 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 you kind of go, you know, what what were you thinking? Why, you know, this great opportunity you have, and you and you're letting it slip away, and you hate to see that. You know, some you know what I was, I just thought about when just hearing you just go through your your, your dialogue here, uh, David Ortiz type of guy. And attitude is what Quig needs around him. Yeah. David Ortiz. David Ortiz has a great work ethic, and it shows this through his longevity in his career. He needs someone like that around him who will get in his face when he gets out of line. That's what they need. You see, so he needs someone that he will respect. You see, and when David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez was were together, he kept everything right. Yeah, he was the anchor of those Boston teams. That's what Quig needs. That's what he needs. Well, if if the if the Dodgers uh, are, are serious about keeping him around, and they, they need to they need to bring somebody in to to manage him, and you know, and and, and and it's nothing for him to be ashamed of. I mean, plenty of plenty of players have had have had that situation. I mean, even Daryl Strawberry when he you know he'd gone through some struggles with some off off the field stuff. You know, the, uh, I think when the Giants brought him in, they 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 brought in a, pretty much a a babysitter to to kind of to kind of keep, or either the Angels or somebody, whatever one of the one of the California teams, to just to keep an eye on him and try to keep kind of keep him uh, keep him clean. So you know, uh, it, it's done. It has been done, and uh, you know, it, it it can lengthen a guy's career and it can save their lives sometimes. So hopefully, uh, you know something. You know something. I think. I think. I think that. Uh... They need some old school type of thing. They need some military type of discipline. If they had some kind of a military discipline, I think they'll be great players. I mean, uh, it's it, it's too much ice cream around the, the ball players. Yeah, they need to they need to take a little bit away and and like they're in an army base, you know, and that would straighten a lot of them out, you know, because you know you know soldiers are very disciplined, and if you can take a little bit of that. I think you have better, you, you'll see a better productivity out of these guys. We hope so. Uh, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, I love. Uh, listen, I, I'm a kind of guy who, uh, who you know, I have my favorite teams, but I, I, I love just talent, and I can go watch, I can go watch other other teams play, and 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 just enjoy the sport and enjoy the the talent that's on the field, and I just like to see guys who. Who have the ability to make it to the to the to the top of their top of their sport to the top of the field? Uh, not, very few people have an opportunity to play professional sports. Very few. You know, you look at the numbers of people who who enter youth sports and the number who come out on the other end and, and the, the professional level. That percentage is very, 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 very small. And I think anybody who makes it there, I just like to see them, uh, you know, do their best and uh, and and have a good shot. 
I, absolutely. Absolutely. When, I, when you see a five-tool player, especially in baseball, and he's not living to his potential, and you know something, something's influencing that not to be able to leap, reach his potential, something off the field. Because a lot, some, a, lot of, a lot of these ball players who falter, it comes from off the field in most cases. Right. Unless there's some injury they're still recovering from. But a lot of times, the off-the-field stuff, especially these days, with all the attractions around, there are the distractions as well, affect their play on the field. You see, because money, see money, see the money, (laughs) the money is something else. You got all, you got the sweet tooth that jumps in there. You got the, you got all the the women. You got all the people coming around. They hang around us. Everybody patting on your back. You got to realize that sometimes that's a devil without a horn. So, you know, you have to keep focused. And for some reason, the more money you make, the harder you got to work to get away from that. It's, See, fu- so, it's uh, funny you bring that up. I, I, I remember when I was uh, young and new in my profession, my first uh, trainer pulled me aside and says, listen, kid, Booze, bills, and broads will get you in trouble on this job. <laughs> the three amigos, <laughs> and, that, and, that, and, that, and that's and that's usually and that's usually the case, and that's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. You see? So, uh, uh, in, in other words, you can't let that. You got to control that. Don't let it control you. Right. And when it controls you, that's your downfall. So you got to be aware of the poison ivy, and those three things are the poison ivy, of the downfall of a lot of ball players. Yeah. As a matter of fact, people cross the board, depending on what you're doing. But it's definitely bad medicine for an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> hey, still on the baseball tip. Uh, uh, recently, a few weeks back, uh, the Reds inducted. Uh, Pete Rose into the to the Reds Hall of Fame and uh, retired his jersey, uh, whatnot. You know Charlie Hustle, uh, he he had a great career. Uh, you know, say what you want about him, uh, the the man had a great career. He was uh, he was an outstanding ball player. Any chance uh, while he's alive, he gets into the uh, the Hall of Fame? I can't even answer that. Yeah. I mean, they've been flat out adamant that he's not going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But with all this steroid here and all these other people that have done certain things who've hurt the integrity of the game, uh, who knows? You know, down the road, they should, but that's not going to be any of our calls because, uh, you know, the game's been tainted a little bit with the steroid era and stuff. And Pete didn't do it. He just betted on baseball, which that was a major mistake. He acknowledges it. But I think he should be in the, in the Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, he's all-time leading hitter of all time, great player. He was with the you know, the, the Cincinnati Red championship years with Sparky Anderson. Oh, you know, I mean, he's Sparky. iconic. You can't take it away from him. He's iconic, so why not you put him in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. There's been worse things done in the game than <laughs> what he's done. So, I mean, I think they should give him a shot. They're giving everybody else a shot. <laughs> If for, some, if, if for some reason, and for some reason, it seems like if you do bad, it seems like you go even farther. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> we li- we li- we're living in a crazy society today. Absolutely. So, uh, 
I just, you know, I don't, I don't get it sometimes. He deserves to be in it. Absolutely. Uh, last, last, last one today, man. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, Lakers, uh, Lakers have been through a transition period. Uh, they, the, you know, uh, Kobe retired last year when, and when his last few years weren't the, weren't, weren't the greatest, uh, few years for the Laker organization. Uh, we got, we're seeing a new, uh, new coach, uh, Luke Walton, uh, some, uh, some high draft picks. Uh, they say this DeAndre Jordan kid is looking like he's going to be pretty good after, uh, I think this is his second year. I know you follow basketball somewhat. What What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it starts in management. I mean, you know, uh, Jim Buss, Jeannie Buss, they got to work all that out. Because if you're having a family feud in one of the storied franchises of all time, uh, I know Jerry's probably turning his turning, turning over in his grave yeah. what's going on. Yeah. But the bottom line is they got to work it out at the top. And then, you know, if they get Luke in there, they got to give him time to do his thing. And I'm sure he's going to bring some of the coaching philosophies down from the Golden State Warriors here. And he, and he, he knows. He's been there through some championship years, and he's been there with the Golden State Warriors. So the thing is, if they let him put his system together and he can feel what they have and build, I think, I think they can give a run through it. But, you know, they, they, you know, they're at the bottom. I mean, they've got to build it back up. Yeah. And they've got to start at the top. You know, not on the court. You win championships in the front office, not on the court, not on the field. Well, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, you know, you got Luke and I think Brian Shaw's assistant. Uh, you talk about the top. Uh, I've said this for a lot of years. Uh, I, I have no vote in the, in, the, in the situation. But I think Jeannie uh, should be running that team. Uh, I think she's got better better business sense and, uh, and understands it a, a little bit, a much better than her brother. Plus, she's got uh, you know she's got that Phil Jackson vibe going on there, so she she she, she kind of knows what's going on. Well, you know, I, I just mean, think she, know, I think I, she's a better a better would be a better fit as uh, the. I, I, I you know you know I, I agree she'd be a better executive in the situation, but I think it's just look you said this inner family conflict. I think there's some you know I think it's some some I, I think it's something between Phil, her, Jim. A lot of that's going on too from afar. Oh yeah. And all the things I've heard. I mean, and they got to they, they got to solve that out, and they got to solve that out. Period. I mean, because because the way it is now, it's affecting the whole team. And then when it's they, they, and and they and, and look, and for some reason, they got some loyal fans because if this starts affecting that 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 fan base, and that money starts running out, then that'll get their attention. But yeah, but this it starts at the top, and it, and I believe it's going to start and end with Genie. Oh, absolutely, and you talk about the fan base. This is L.A., man. We we are fickle as all hell. Oh yeah, we, you know we you know <laughs> we'll hey, give man, you, you we'll know, give you a couple bad years, but that's it. You ain't kidding. You know, you know we're flaky as a flaky. We, we're as flaky as a, as, as a cornflake without Tony saying great. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right, brother. They better, they better get their shit together because. People will boogie down the road, man. <laughs> Bunch of L.A. folks sitting up in uh, Sacramento at Golden State or whatnot, man. Right. San Francisco, whatever. They will they will bolt on you in a heartbeat, man. That's, That's the right. way it is. <laughs> That's L.A. for you. Absolutely. A.D., as always, man, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we, uh, we always have a chance to get back together every once in a while and chat things up. We'll try to do it again. Uh, try to do it again next week, man. Okay, okay, Swoop. 
Right, Thank bro. you. Take care of yourself. All right, you too, man. Anthony Davis, everybody, and uh, that's about going to wrap it up for us. We want to thank, once again, uh, Stacey Lupinacci and Kale Kelly, Kale Kelly, for joining us tonight. It's always been a, a, a pleasure knowing them and, and a great opportunity to have them both on the show uh, at the same time. And uh, AD, as always, a lot of fun chatting with him. And we want to thank you all for tuning in. As we always say, dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Good night, all. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.